Good evening and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live weekly Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Josh... Oh, just... Abel. Abel, sorry. <laughs> I'm reading it. Um, from Ability Parcel Services and Working Dogs. Josh will be picking who he thinks has asked the best question of the night and I'll win a bag of Enduro high-energy high food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Hey, Josh, how are you going? That's the way. That's good, mate. How's, how's your day been, mate? Tell us, a, tell us a bit how it's been up there at the moment. Um, good. We uh, semen tested some balls today, so mucking around with some Brangus balls and red Brahmin balls. Yeah, cool. They've been on some good feed at the moment. Yeah, good feed. Yeah, yeah. great season up here. Yeah. How's he going getting around? Yeah, good. Um, still a bit wet, but if you dodge the rocks and the puddles, you can make a beeline somewhere. Got topped up again last week? Yeah. Why we use dogs, so we, um, I just sit there and make them do the work. <laughs> That's the way. Um, before we jump into it, I'd just like to mention that um, Dog Talk now has some merchandise. Um, there's only limited stock available um, in an extra small to a 3XL. Um, we have half zips and hoodies, and they're available on the Stock Dogs website. Um, so jump in quick so you don't miss out. Um, but back to you, Josh. Do you want to? Actually, Laura's wearing one there. She's pretty oh. brave because that fire behind us <laughs> is cranking. So I wasn't brave enough to wear one tonight because I'd be sweating up like a sauna. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? where you're from and what you do these days? Um, I grew up in central Queensland, um, down Biloela. Um, got married at, married at 20, started contracting, went to Jericho 12 months on a property there. It was all horse and dogs. Um, came to Charters Cows, worked on a place there for three and a half years. Um, and then we bought a little block, 2001. Um, so we just moved into Charters Cows, North Queensland, and I've just been this year contracting day work around. So um, me and my ute and dogs and quad get carted around. And, and how's that going, mate? How do, you, how do you prefer to contracting compared to working with someone else? Um, I like contracting. I'm, I get a bit invested sometimes when I work for people. So, um, yeah, <laughs> good to find my own thing a bit. But, um, yeah, it's great. A huge demand for people in the industry. So they're stuck with me. Well, <laughs> why do you think that is, mate? Why do you think there's a big demand? And do you think that's been growing or has it always just been there? Um, it's been, I think, demand anything like coffee shop, you know, anything. Everyone is in demand at the moment. But, um, yeah, in the agricultural, you know, probably money's not as good as in the mines and that. Not as big an issue up here, but central Queensland, it was definitely an interest, uh, issue because, because of the mines and that. And I don't know, just... I'm trying to do it, you know, have a bit of a 
um, a specialty, you know, the livestock, the regenerative grazing and stuff like that. So anyone in that space um, don't have as many options if they want someone um, doing things like that. Yeah. Do you want to, um, for some of our viewers that might not know a bit about, do you want to touch on the regenerative grazing, mate? Um, that's a very broad spectrum of things, I guess, regenerative grazing, but basically improving the land to better than what you came to it. Um, so that can be through mechanical, that can be through rotational grazing, using stock, um, stock density and just there's figures and but it's looking at the land and and managing the cattle and the land and and at the end of the day it's between the land and the cattle and it's going to come out as bigger so there's this juggling act where you're you're not taking more out than you can um then you can put back yeah very good. I think that was very easy to follow, don't you? Yeah, I think he explained it well. <laughs> and you mentioned earlier that you come from central Queensland. As the, the, yeah. Were you always going to end up on the property, mate? Or did, did the mining temptation hit you at some stage? Where did the passion come? And uh, I, did, I did a boilmaking trade um, out of school and we were contracted to the mines. Um, so, yeah, I did four or five years in the mining industry, which I enjoyed it. It wasn't much fun, but financially it gave me a bit of a better start, you know. Bit of boost. Yeah. Mm, bit, of, bit of a boost. So, yeah, I don't, I don't regret doing it, but, um, yeah, it's not without its issues. So, I was going to say, so what made you, like, you know, decide to come back to the land? I guess it was never, maybe not never an option, but for me it was that's just what I was going to do. Um, just what, yeah, just try to find a way to get back into the industry and and make a living, I guess. Um, yeah, working my, my parents' um, property wasn't big enough to sustain sustain all of us um you know so worked with dad for a while and we ended up just moving further and further from home till we're six six k from the in-laws now gravitated from one to the other right (laughs) yeah so that that wasn't planned either but um yeah and uh, having a man and uh, a boily background, mate, you're always going to find some work when you want to come back to the land anyways, right? Yeah, and that that was always the thing, um, always having a fallback plan, I guess. Um, you know, my dad done it. You know, he's been a hard yakker, hard, hard-working type of person, but it's pretty, it's pretty thankless lifestyle, really, especially if you're not making money. Yeah. 100% mate and you mentioned your old man there was was there someone that inspired you like growing up like watching on, on the property and went uh, uh, you know that you kind of take your hats off or you found admirable I guess that's my biggest informa- um, inspiration I guess really like um, yeah 
I've had to probably learn a few bad tricks too, but um, <laughs> what he could do in the bush and, you know, and what we did growing up, bought out of the sale yards and just bought a lot of rough cattle, clean skins and, you know, and what, what he could achieve with cattle and his dogs and that was, you know, he was kind of the go-to person in the area when they couldn't get their cattle in. Um, yeah, so... I've kind of always looked up to that and, um, yeah, he's, he's pretty handy. Came to a trial here, Charter's Towers the other day and ran a couple of 70s and that for dogs aren't even, in, dogs aren't even allowed in working the cattle yards most of the time and then comes and runs a few 70s. I was a bit embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's all right. Learned, learned straight out the hard way, right? Didn't give you anything broken in. It was straight out the clean skins you mentioned. Yeah, that's just that's just right. Um, yeah, probably didn't work with a lot of very good educated stock. So I appreciate. I love the educational program. Like, give me some clean skins any and let me break them in and educate them. That that's what gets me out of bed. Yeah, beautiful. Sounds alright. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, quick question here from Charles Williams. What is one thing you'd recommend to a young person wanting to get into the livestock industry and working to go do? To get into the livestock industry? Um, do, um, what do they call it? You know, just find somewhere to work for a week, um, unpaid even, just learn. People are, everyone is screaming. Um, for most people in the agriculture industry are helpful and get contacts and just put your hand up. Let's get in, be happy to work hard, put your hand up and it's a great place to be in, good space to be in. There you go. Yeah. Heard from Joss, just have a go. Yeah. Have a go. Have a go. Get in there, have a go. <laughs> Mate, and being a young fella watching your dad, um, and now being around contracting and obviously you're getting around to different places, have you noticed a, way, or a change in the way people are handling their, their cattle? Um, definitely, but that's probably somewhat the space that I've moved into or been lucky, fortunate enough to migrate to. Yep. Um, there's definitely people out there that, could do better, I guess. Um, I think as a whole, stockmanship is getting better. I, I, yeah, I do think education is getting more, it's it's getting out, out there and people tend to be, um, their stockmanship is getting better. What do you think is driving that, mate? Um, industry standards, probably. And, you know, being kicked back over time, I guess. And I think we have to do better as an industry if we want to compete. And um, and education, schools, people are happy to pay the bit of money and and go do schools. That's just come up with a list of schools that I've been over this, you know, um, just, just get out there and, and learn. That's what I would say. Do you, want, do you want to give any of those a plug, mate? Oh, a plug. 
just dogs, girls, um, stockmanship. Um, oh, we've done. I've done some schools with Denise Hall, Mick Rigby, Tony Jackson. We did a little school with them. Frank Wright um, out in Barcaldine. There done like wiener breaking schools. Neil McDonald. Um, some guys up here, good with dogs, Adam and Anthony, Jim Lindsay, stockmanship. Um, there's, if you find these people, there's just ample training you can do. And yeah, um, you will have a, if you can like me and want to learn, the next week is just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Why that? Because you got all these things that you want to, you know, you should, you know, you want to achieve and that and trying to, so you can go out and learn, I reckon, but then you've got to feel it for yourself. Yes. Yep. And you got it the hard way, really, most of the time. Well, I do. Yeah. So, so you mentioned a few names there. What, what, as a whole, what's some of the main things that you've taken away, like, Obviously, you can't go there and you, you can't be a Neil McDonald or an Anthony or, or a Denise. So how, how do you take all that information and, and use it? Bit by bit. Um, dissect it. Everyone has good stuff. So don't throw everything out. Dissect it. Use what's applicable to you. And... You know, for me, it's every situation calls for a different thing. Um, and you'll go back and you'll just pull bits and pieces from different people you've learnt off of. Um, and it can be at totally random times. And that was a big trick, a bag of tricks, right? Yeah, a big bag of tricks and knowing when to use them and when to not use them and... Absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, that comes down to just doing miles and working and just just finding a feel. You will get it wrong and thing messy. <laughs> Do you ever get it wrong, or you just you just get a learning experience instead? A very good question. No, I, I'm pretty sure I get it wrong sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I said the other day, um, you know, two times if you do three times, it's that's bad. And I said, but two times isn't a big enough sample size. Yep. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, so obviously you had dogs around you growing up. Um, do you remember your first dog? Um, my first dog, I always just worked dad's dogs, really. I named a dog Jink when I was real little, but um, I never really, I just used dad's dogs. So my first dog, um, not long married, I said to dad, wouldn't mind getting my own dog. And then pup showed up basically. So this pup from a mate of a mate and five dogs and um, what was her name? No, missed it. But, um, yeah, I had this pup turned up and off we went. Beautiful. Well, uh, what was it, mate? What kind of pup? Uh, border Collie. Yeah, and and uh, are you dog racist at all, mate? Have you, or have you... It's actually 
question here from Charles. I, I'm going to steal somebody's question. Let's go. Let's go with that one. Charles has asked, are you a Collie man or a Kelpie man and why? Um, so I'll start. I definitely was dog racer. So when I started, I wanted the perfect black and white line of dogs. And that has probably been one of my biggest downfalls. Yep. So now I have Kelpies, I have Collies, I have thing out there that looks like a dingo. Um, yeah, I, I can't find enough dogs to suit my job with being too critical. I just want good dogs. Yeah. And do you have a type of style uh, like that you prefer? Um, yeah, I probably definitely style I prefer, but I want outside differences. Like I'd like what team would be, and then I want some anonymous, you know, some outside different traits. So how many dogs do you run then? Um, I normally only run, say, four, two or four at a time. I've got yep. 12 dogs at the moment, I think. Um, but my, my oldest dog's only four. Yeah. Yeah, right. I've been trying to work dogs for, I think I worked about seven years now, seven, eight years. My oldest dog's four. I've done a lot of things wrong and, you know, working cattle can be pretty hard on them. Yeah. Um, so just keep keep pressing on. Got a lot of young ones coming along. Do you want to tell us a bit about your current team? <laughs> um, current team, um, I've got uh, Gravity Jake, um, Ability Pippa, um, Miranda Ruby, um, got Shadow Vale Spice. So, yeah, I've got, and then Cartoon Gordy's, McKelpie. That's my main team. So, I've got probably six dogs I'm bringing to work. They're my team at the moment. And then got young ones coming up trying to. Trying to make space for them. Trying to, my goal is probably to have eight good going dogs and then pups coming along. So you mentioned there before um, you like to have a few different types of dogs. Is your main team yep. similar or do they all have their own job within that? Definitely they're somewhat similar, um, but they all have their strong points and their weak points, I guess. Yeah. Um, and just utilise that to um, to their advantage. Like I had a dog not that long ago. She broke a leg and I had to put her down. But, um, you know, she had way too much heel for what I like. But you could just leave her behind stock. And if she came out with stock, you know she had everything. And, like, half hour later she would bring the calves. Yeah. You know, she would not let stock fall behind. You know. Yeah. So so just use what you got to their best of their ability. Yeah. Oh, that's good, mate. There's a question here from Jared Ridley. If you were starting a new team of dogs from scratch, what would you be looking for 
if you were primarily mustering scrubby country uh, cattle and goats, bitch, dog, independent, thinker, more controlled, etc. Um, timbered country, a thinker, um, a natural type of dog. If I was getting into them, I wouldn't do what I did. I would try and find someone that run a style of dog, go to someone's place, see where they work, see their dog, and look at their stock. That's probably the other thing that I try and do. What influence does their dog have over their stock? Um, you can tell if dog uh, cattle like overdogged or underdogged if they're spoiled. So what what relationship does the stock have with the dog, and what do you have over the stock? Um, so do your research. Is the short answer? Yeah. So if you went somewhere and old mates cattle are running a f over of, over their dogs. Uh, or just run around the joint, you're staying away from his dogs? Not – you've got to know the backstory to that too, though, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You're going on to fresh cattle. Look, it happens here all the time because we're working trade cattle and that, and, you know, we're slowly getting them better, but it takes three to four musters to probably change stock. Um, yeah, so every circumstance is different. But if he's got a core weaner herd or, you know, a breeder herd and that's what his weaners are like every year, yeah. there's probably some issues. Do you come yeah. take it into account of, you know, the workers and the person himself or do you have to take the yeah. dogs for what they are based on that? Um, yeah, I think definitely what um, the ability of the person as well. And is their temperament like your temperament? If someone's very soft temperament and you're a hard, harder type of temperament, will them dogs suit you or not? Yeah. Yeah. Glad you answered that, mate. That's why I, I, was, I was actually a leading question to see just how far you, you're thinking into what you do there. I, really, I like I like that. That's cool. I, I overanalyze things. That would be one of my things. I'm trying to highlight that. <laughs> um, mate, tell me, what um, being a contractor at the moment, um, you mentioned a lot of black soil up there, dodging rocks before. Um, mate, what, what's a typical day look like for yourself? Is there a lot of paddock stuff, a lot of work, a lot of yard stuff? What's uh, At the moment, stock work's been a little bit quiet, but um, a typical day with the rotation, with the regenerative type of stuff, so we do a lot of paddock shifts. So you shift and stock out in the paddock, and that's that's what I love. It, just being in the paddock with stock and the dogs, um, and that way you're influencing all the. You're always influencing your stock. So I reckon every time you come into a stock contact cow dog horse, you are influencing influencing it. So if you don't order run or anything, so rotating stock. You come into contact with them a lot more so that it is easier, but you've got to be probably nearly more careful with what you do. Why is that? Because there's more opportunities for them to learn bad habits, I would think. If you're just chopper mastering once, twice a year or whatever, yeah, that can go 
different ways too. But if you're working them every third day, once a week, once a month, there's so many more contact points um, and you can spoil stock and get some real, um, you can create some real mental issues in your stock, I would think. Yeah, right. And you find um, if you're educating young stock and then they're, they're breeding on, do you find that easier to educate the offspring or are you having quite a yeah. stock? Definitely, your job really done. Like on the job we were doing last, we could let five hundred head out, and just about not even put a dog in front of them. Like the time they've been worked since a three-day-old, a week-old calf. But it takes. It took three years, I reckon, to get to that stage. I thought it would take 12 months, you know. Yeah. I think it takes about three years of getting it pretty right to to influence a whole herd like that, the cycle. Yeah. Nothing good happens overnight, right? No. Got to keep at it. Yeah, I like everything done yesterday, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned your dad had a lot of your dogs that um, you're working his dogs. Was there any influential dogs to get you to where you are today? He's yours or someone else's? Um, no, I don't have any of dad's original team in breeding or anything. Um, my first dog, dad ended up, we got half sisters 12 months down the track of, of that bitch. And we've both got a little bit of that blood left now. But originally, Dad would just get dogs from off the street just about. <laughs> drives, drives me batty. <laughs> Rock up with someone with Jack Russell. Like, what's, what's going on here? Dad ran, he ran a full big boxer thing that was like 35 kilos. And it took him like two years. But he could cast that dog up the paddock. This full pig dog would bring stock back. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he he was he was pretty patient with them, really. Um, I'm not as yeah. He, he would just work with what he had. Yeah. Anyway, you mentioned there about um like some breeding. Like, what are you looking for in your own line? Um. I want calm strength and, yeah, and what, yeah, what influence do they have over the stock? So do they stir stock up or do they get it done calmly? Um, but they have to have enough force to, to back up what they're asking. Um, and at the moment I'm probably coming to this trade cattle and that, my dogs, like they got bite and that, and they're they're pretty strong, but I don't have that dog that like at all hold the line. Yeah. Um. So that's probably I'm wanting kind of an outthrow to the really hard type of dog, but I just want strong thinking dogs that 
I don't want to have to talk to them. Like, and I like, like, especially where I was at this job, I would just leave dogs with cattle for 15 minutes, half an hour. So I need dogs I can trust. So what makes a good cattle dog for you? Um, clean on the, clean on his head. Um, I don't mind some heel. Just a thinking dog, like a dog that's got mob sense, um, wants to kind of bring all his stock. Um, just a, I'd probably rather like a bit of a big picture dog that that likes to um, think of the whole mob as a whole um, instead of kind of, but then I kind of want them to to hold a position and, and, and stay on a mob instead of overworking because and too much, you know, we can have huge kilometres with the dog and, um, yeah, so they need to not be overworking. Question here from Pat Watson. Um, what is your opinion on bark in your dogs and why? Waiting for this one. Thought about this one, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... How do we show this one? In the yards, I find like when we're working stock, as in, we don't, we get taught not to yell that much and make too much noise. I think make noise if you want them to look at you. Um, so on barking dogs, I, I've seen it and it and it works. I think it. Um, with cows and calves, I'm not a big fan. Um, for myself and my dogs, I don't really like it. If they're getting pummeled and they let out a bark, yeah, that's okay. I I don't cull on that. But as a whole, I'm I'm not a fan. I just I think I like I like a dog that can influence one beast and no one else around knows what's happening. And with the bark. Um, it influences too many stock, I reckon, especially with cows and calves. <clears throat> so what, what's real strength to you? The real strength, the mental capacity that to, to stand something probably, yeah. to, to look it in the eye and, and know it has the capacity to do whatever it takes to beat that beast, but not go in there and grab it first up. Yeah. Yeah, so I was thinking, like, if Mike Tyson came up to you and told you to pull your head in, you'd probably pull your head in. If some little guy come around poking you, you'd want to flatten him. <laughs> and I, that's the same with cattle. Yeah. <laughs> I like that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I Thinking you put behind it rather than go um, something that comes in and just swinging hard, you know, like that's what you yeah. said. Something that will just come in there and just want to go, you know. And like, we'll go and grab that on a sec. I just like how how important to you is identifying that natural strength in a pup or young dog compared to building it and spending time and through aging experience. Uh, I think you definitely can build it, but it'll let you down. Um, yep. 
and most of my work is cows and calves. Most of my dogs have worked cows and calves since they're 12 months old. My biggest thing is do not do it. <laughs> they need to be probably two-year-old before they work in cows and calves. It's the best way to wreck dogs. Um, but it's just the work that I've had and, you know, you got to do what you got to do you know, get jobs done sometimes, but um, cows and calves sort them out really quick. Sometimes too quick, right? Yeah, sometimes too quick, but, um, you know, if you've got a 12-month-old dog, like I've got a couple of dogs here now I like, but they're not going to make breeder dogs. Mm. Um, and, you know, you can, like they like dishing it out, but they don't, I don't think they're going to cop it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and working cows and calves, it's a mental game. It's it's capacity, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's another question here from Rick Freeman. Um, do you like front feet bite on cattle more than on the nose or either depending on the situation? Uh, it doesn't really worry me. I'd probably rather... Uh, clean nose bite, but um, front foot is pretty effective. Yep. Did you want to grab that other one there as well? This one? Yeah, have we asked one or not? No. Yeah, cool. um, Joe Levins asked, hi, Josh, do you think there are some working dog traits gained or lost working on a rotational system with cattle behaviour possibly being more routine? Uh, definitely. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah. Well, one thing I have been happy with my dogs. I didn't think they had a lot of bite in that. Rotational stuff, cattle were pretty broke, and you know we were working a thousand head by ourselves. Um, not for big, but for shift. Um, I and my wife would work walk a thousand wieners between us. You know, sometimes we walk 800 cows and calves, or, or cows anyway. Um, so you can get them pretty broke and you can cut a lot of corners and your dogs can start cutting a lot of corners. Um, so I've been pretty happy with coming to these trade mobs and that, you know, they've really got to step up and they've got to get quick on their thinking and quick on their feet. And... um. I was just glad to know that it was it was in the dog still, you know. Just because I hadn't seen it as much, it was it was still in most of them dogs. If you do start to see like a couple of those, you know, you start to get worried about things like that. How do you approach that? Do you do you try and create a situation sometimes where you can get your dogs to, well, get your dogs to get you out of that situation or how do you approach it? Um, Worry about it next time around? Yeah, give them a challenge if you can. Like the best I probably had my dogs, we had rotation at one end of the property, relatively pretty crisp, and the other ends, and we would trap and catch clean skins and so we'd break clean skins mainly in the yards. I caught some out of the paddock. But they'd get to come to the yards and they'd get a real challenge. 
And that's when we dog for the best, when they, they get a real challenge. In the so for those who don't know, what's a clean skin? Uh, it's just an unbranded piece that's never been in the yards. Yep. Um, yeah. It's escaping. <laughs> yeah, so then, so Mike's a real crazy. clean skin, yeah, has never been meddled with. Yeah. So they're a clean slate. I love them. They can be four-year-old, three-year-old, ten-year-old, and they're a clean slate. But if you've chased them and they've gotten away, they're proper hard work. Yeah. It's hard to break that. They're poorly poorly trained cow then, right? Yeah. 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 Like the worst stock we bought, Dad used to buy, were people's steers that had beaten them and beaten them and beaten them. You get some plants and they'd been chopped in or they'd been trapped or they'd been this and they'd gone through the sale yards and the time we got them, their little rock world had been shaken up, you know, and they were pretty easy relatively. Yeah. Mate, how important is, you mentioned about sending dogs out before, how important is natural cast and heading ability to yourself? I probably don't have a huge cast on my dogs. I think it's in it. Not all of them. I've got a couple that they've got pretty big casts in them, but I just probably don't utilise it that much. Um, when I was working in a real timbered country, I would generally leave my dogs on the mob and riding because it was normally only like 100 metres visibility. Here in the rock, I'm casting them more because the visibility is pretty good. Um, but it's just not fun getting there. Um, so I think it's very important, but, you know, if you can get a range of stock, you can get away with not having a real good cast, real big cast. Um, and clean heading, definitely, they've got to come up and tip their cattle in. And, um, and going back, back to rotational, my dogs, dum-dum, walk along behind the they wouldn't come in and, and tip a corner in and get real, you know, be right on point. They'd get a bit lazy. Um, so these challenging stock are way better. Um, and they get a lot more crisper. And um, So I think even on your training with your sheep and that, if you've got something that's a bit more challenging, you'll be surprised what your dog will step up and do. Yeah. Um, so Rick Freeman's got a question here. Can dogs get away with shouldering more with cattle than with sheep? And is it even preferable or still not ideal? Um, secondly, what would you see in a dog that you thought was only suitable to cattle rather than sheep? Um, I think they can get away more shouldering a, a beast, a, a, um, a cow, cattle than with sheep i really haven't done i've never worked sheep in a paddock situation really um yeah so i'm no sheep expert at all um but i would think you'd get away with a lot more on, on cattle um but it's still not ideal 
Um, what was the second part of the question? Yeah. Um, what would what would you see in a dog that you thought was only suitable to cattle rather than sheep? Probably their feel. You can get get away with less feel for stock with cattle and how close they work. You can work a lot closer on cattle and then bite, I would presume. Yeah. Um, not wanting much bite in sheep. Yeah. I've learned that the hard way on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's no fun turning up the trials when your dogs have got a bit of bite in <laughs> your, your, your days over quickly. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, the cattle trials a bit more that too, though, really. You start yeah. biting the cattle in the cattle trial too much and it's it's pretty much over if you start swinging. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's not a bad thing either, right? Like the um, stock welfare is a massive issue and we're on show oh. and it's not a pretty thing to see. And the people donating yeah. the Stock. Yeah, absolutely. There's hundreds of thousands of worth of cattle yeah. most of the time. Yeah. And yeah. Same with sheep. Like, yeah. you can't yeah. warrant yeah. risking that. Like, yeah. yeah. But I suppose that might be something that's kind of improved over the years, right? Like, back in the day, yeah. it wasn't that bad. Um, I think in the real world, in the real world, you know, you've got something four, five hundred, six hundred kilos going against something that's 20 kilos. Yeah. Mm. There's got to be some fear involved. Um, yeah. You know, and if all you're doing is yapping in its face, it's going to push through pretty quick. Yeah. On that, mate, has the type of dog you look for now changed for when you were younger? Um, yeah, probably definitely. Well, Probably what I thought strength was has changed. Um, I always thought strength was that hard biting, swinging dog on stock, on cattle. But to me, strength now has been able to look it in the eye and tell it pull up, back up, move off me. Um, and to me, strength now is more a mental thing than than a physical thing. Yeah. So um, you said there you've bred a few pups and um, one of the dogs in your team now you bred. Um, do you breed many pups a year or just when you're looking for something in particular? Mainly when I won. I've just joined this same, uh, the same litter again that I did last year. They're not going to be world beaters, but they're going to be good paddock dogs. Um, I've got a little bit of boxer in them, so I'm hoping I'll have a bit of dirt. Um, but yeah, I got another bitch I plan on breeding. It's got some pretty good bloodlines in her, good cattle bloodlines. So yeah, I'll breed a few, but just as I need them. And yeah, um, yeah, just keep myself in supply. And you have a few lines there that you prefer that suit your personality and your style of work, your attitude. Um, yeah, that's pretty hard to put up with. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do. I probably, um, yeah, there's, I, you know, like I got the, my main dog, Jake, just he's such cool, calm, collected, and he's, I find it really hard to put up with these 
really fast, fast, intense dogs. I just like a dog that's kind of just ticking over and doing his job. I, I don't like to have to tell him to sit down and stop, think too much. Um, I kind of want enough direction on them to give them a job and then it's for them to do. they got to think about it themselves. So, you know, going and doing a few trials and that, I'll never win championships because that's not what a day-to-day situation. Yeah. And um, when you are thinking about, like, um, about breeding or future joinings, what are you considering when you're looking at your dogs? Um, what I'm considering, what I want and what am I missing in my team, probably. Um, the bitch that I want to breed next. Will be that hope she will be that faster, a bit, bit probably a little bit more bite, a little bit stronger. Um, so the bitch that I want to breed next, I want her to be the the exception a bit more than than the rule of what I've got in my team. Bless you. Yeah. Um, a bit more edge. That's what I'm. Doing. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I, I find them real. They don't travel as well. But when you get into a bind, they're really, really handy, you know. And they've got a heap of heart and they just keep showing up. But sometimes they're, you know, they can only show up for long. Yeah. And obviously you go, um, with your cattle there, mate, you got to – you like your genetics and your breeding and, and you get into it. How about with your dogs? I don't get into genetics with cattle very much, actually. We did salmon testing no, today, no. and they're racking off breeding of like, like studs. I've never even been to a bull sale. Yeah, right. So genetic cattle, I, yeah, it's funny. I've, I've never really gotten into it. I, I appreciate yeah. good bred stock and that, but and I've always worked with breeders, but you know, I've never really got into that side of it. <laughs> but um, my dog's into it. The breeding side of it, the um, genetic side of things, and I think it doesn't mean they're going to be better, but generally, most some of the most of your work's done. There's yeah. there's just natural in there, and and hopefully there's more consistency. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and you said there you had a bitch that you want to breed from. Is it like, do you think that a bitch should be to like meet a certain type of criteria before you breed from it, or is there anything behind that or not? I think definitely the bitch that I'm thinking of drives me stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but she's got some really, really good traits, um, and I haven't since apart. So she's probably come with the habits, but she's got some really good traits, and we probably just haven't gelled. Um, yeah. Just probably haven't clicked, but I can see what's in her, and I can see around and that. Um, and she's probably not my style of dog, so we haven't clicked as much. But I've kind of realised from having her that I probably need to get out of my comfort zone a bit. 
Yeah. yeah. And you're putting her to one of your own dogs or to an outside dog? Yeah, be an outside dog. Yeah. And, and what are you considering or looking for from an outside sire? Um, probably a little bit more grit and just probably a bit quicker and a lot of heart. Um, just just a real tough dog. Yeah. So all them things that go against what I normally say, <laughs> that's probably the type of dog I'm looking for at the moment. Yep. Yeah. It's normally the way. Yeah. So how, how do you go about picking one, mate? How do you get out and go and see them on properties or do you speak to a lot of people and, and trust the opinions of people that have us kind of like-minded to yourself or how, how do you approach um, that? I'm probably really big on walking down around the corner, you know, like you got to travel. No, nice, so. so there's some good dogs up here, but I I just try and get to not like if you know the person or or their reputation and that. If I'm confident enough in the person, I will go with their best judgment a bit too, and. I've had some pretty interesting um, situations where the dog that I would think is best for that bitch or something like that, that is what they've done. So if you find someone that thinks the same way and that as you a bit, I just tend to just kind of trust their, trust their judgment. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And Charles, sorry. Most people know a lot more than me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Um, Lynette has asked, would you rather male or female to work the paddock or different applications? Hey, Mum. Um, probably um, <laughs> <laughs> I probably had more luck with dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Just I don't know, yeah. They're probably just a little bit tougher. I don't know. I just yeah. probably just, yeah, probably probably a lot of that is that's what I can get hold of too because anyone that's got a good dog, they keep their bitches. Yeah. So yeah. it's the dogs that you can get hold of. And so any of my bred better bred dogs are dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you find that your your bitches maybe work work shit out a bit quicker and work with you a bit more, where your dogs are a bit harder work and take a little bit longer to come on, but when they come on, they come on hard. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Women are smart. I haven't had that much luck with them. You know, worms here. Uh, I'm going to snap on chair now. We can get a chair now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll probably just have dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And that um that bitch you got coming on there, mate, is that a, a Kelpie or a Collie or a, a bit of a mixer? What do you got? Uh, collie. Collie, yeah. So you put her to, to a Collie, you will, yeah. or? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I had a bit of a thing a couple of years back that I wanted to go to about a quarter Kelpie. Yep. Um, and then I went and bought one, 
and I didn't have a lot of luck and I threw that idea out now. But I don't I'm not against it, but yeah, I just didn't that that particular dog didn't work for me and um oh he worked but he just could not hold it couldn't you know, he didn't like holding his ground. He wasn't gonna make a, a breeder dog. Um so I, I give up on that one. Beautiful. And how do you go about picking a pup for yourself? Let someone else do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's no. Yeah, I don't know. I just my thumb. I'll if I've got if I've bred the litter. What I have found, changing here, what I pick at before eight weeks is not normally the pup that I pick after eight weeks. They personalities seem to change. Yep. Um, yeah, if I've got a litter, I, I seem to, you know, you seem to pick better. But if I'm going to buy a dog, just just give me a dog and, and, and you know, give me a pup and I'll do what I can with it. Yeah, good. It's probably a bit easier sometimes. I, I find that, you know, everyone says grab the pup that you like, which works, but I find if I pick the pup that picks me, I, I, yeah. I can't get on with it. As soon as I start asking something of it that it stretches the boundaries of our relationship, I mm-hmm. find, yeah, I've got to find you home for this one. Yeah, yeah. Jump it on. Yeah, Ash M has said, Hi, Josh. How important do you think it is to take a dog with you every day, even if there is no work for them? Um, to bond with them and have a connection away from stock compared to getting them out, doing a job or training, then putting them away again. Ash. Um, very important, I think. Um, yeah, just bonding with them. I'm working away and that. I'm, I'm, my dogs are getting really left behind my pups. I try and bring a few with You can do... Like my first dogs, they were on today's standards. They were they were pretty horrible, really. Um, <laughs> but their heart and just the connection we had, you could get a lot done with that. Yeah. Um, and I got a good bond. You know, your first dog will generally be your money dogs because you'll with them, especially if you're gonna have a few dogs. So bond with them. What? Bond with them, absolutely, mate. And what age do you start your pups? Oh, I don't mind seeing what they got. I try and see what they got at eight weeks, 12 yeah. weeks or something. But um, I don't know. I probably tend to keep dogs longer than other people will. But um, like my oldest dog, Jake, I sent him back to the breeder when he was like seven months and I said, he won't work, went straight to work for him. And it was just a trying to make him work and they just, it just doesn't work. I did that with the Kelpie too. It was a bit later started and you're trying to, trying to get them to work, trying to get them to work. So just, yeah, I just give them their look young and if they've got something, lock them back up for a while yeah. and, and don't over train them or work on them. And you mentioned sheep a little bit earlier. I can't imagine uh, you got thousands of sheep around there, mate. So what kind of stock do you like to 
to start on? I, I think you'd be pretty limited for your access to early um, ones. I'll have to give Adam Simpson and Martin Holsworth a big shout out here because I would drive an hour to Adams and work his sheep on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and then poor bikes have been subject to um, lots of, hey, mate, what you doing this afternoon, text messages. <laughs> um, so I've got my own sheep now, limited setup to work on that, but I just wish I'd done it years ago, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's, it's just so beneficial. And, and probably I had cheap. Indian runner ducks as well. I had a run here, Indian runner ducks for quite a lot of years actually, and yeah. that was relatively good. Yeah, not as good as sheep, but it was something. Yeah. Mm. And do you have any milestones or expectations on your pups to reach by a certain age? Uh, too many expectations. <laughs> um, that's probably one of the biggest things I've tried to stop doing, especially when I started buying, paying money for pups and getting into breeding and that. You think these things are going to come out knowing it all, and you've still got to put all the time into them. And that's probably why so many pups, the earlier ones, started later because I had too many expectations. Um, but, yeah, milestones... I'm sick of working on pups that aren't going to make it. So um, they got to show me something. But then um, a guy told me, wait until they show you something wrong. Don't don't get rid of them on something they didn't show you at all. If they show you nothing, show you something wrong that you don't like. Yeah, right. I like that. Yeah, I just don't know if I've got the patience for that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I no, like me either. But it's helped me a lot for to have less expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The, um, but it, just in general, just even away from dogs, having like less expectations on your dogs, but you can apply that to so many more things, right, and just have mm. more patience in general and just not stress out as much. That's hard work. Yes. Yeah. probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, Will Hogan's asked, is there a specific line or, um, yes, a specific line that you've had success with in regards to tough cow dogs? Um, Will, I'm coming to your place one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was looking through them, Bruton Vale lines, um, the Crawford lines, um, the Natal line. Um, probably most of the lines that he has in his dogs, I would think. Yeah. Um, I was looking through Gibber G Rip is probably a pretty common dog going back in breeding of my dogs. Um, Natal dogs. Um, Shellbrook. Mount Barlow, Judds. Um, yeah, there's, there, yeah, I think there is definitely, I was looking through my breedings this, uh, this afternoon and so many double ups of, of lines. Yeah. 
and um you know you didn't realize that they were they were two separate lines but they were little brothers or sisters you know um and lines have came from them and you don't realize that essentially they are the same line just from different um ancestors or, or even different prefixes yeah absolutely and mate is most of your training done on the job or do you set much time apart like once you get you got your young dogs going um a bit of both i try and do as much training but i've just probably had limited resources so i try and get the bare basics on them and then um and then a lot of it's just done on the job um yeah um how about you know you're working on different places all the time how important um is a good stop and how do you go about teaching it a good stop definitely um for the dogs that for the lower revving dogs that some of them that i run it's not as critical these higher energy type of dogs so i've got a couple of them now and i'm finding i use the stop a lot more so it's very very useful um and i find i'm using the stop further out you know once upon a time if the dogs are more than 40 meters away well i didn't tell them to stop you know to lay down that was for them to work out but i find i'm telling them to stop more um so i think it's very critical i to me the stop the stop makes the difference between having a really good team and having an average team and in the trial ring you know did trial the other day talked to them you know where can i improve get a better stop and and that's the difference yeah they're a good handbrake right yeah so uh, even someone, I had a dog that was wanting to heal way too much. And um, I said, well, do you like heal? And he said, well, they can't they can't heal if they stop three metres behind, you know. So, yeah, yeah hit, um, stop is a really useful tool. And I suppose you'd rather stop something than ask it to keep coming in all the time as well. And um, being a contractor, good breaks are probably important when uh, – the owners of the stock are around as well, right? You don't want something that's up them all the time either. Yeah, and to to contract out with dogs, I think you have to have a a higher than average team of dogs to get people to trust you. I think there's a lot of responsibility people put on you or responsibility to the stock and to the owners that your dogs aren't going to run a total mess. You know, you don't get it right all the time, but you've got to have a fair handle on them. Absolutely, mate. And you mentioned trialling there earlier, mate. How how long have you – when did you first have a crack at trialling? And is it something you do often or want to do a bit more? Um, you know, I enjoy it just for a bit of fun. I guess I'm pretty competitive, so if I get there, you know, you want to make a final, but yeah, I just enjoy it. Um, I went to my first dog trial probably four years ago, three and a half years ago. It was just before we come to Charters Tower, so four years ago. Yeah. Um, 
and then I might have done my first bush handler three years ago. Um, no, I made a couple finals this year. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. I've got a long way to go if I want to be competitive in the trial arena, though. Um, so on that note, Charles has asked, what do you hope to achieve in the trial arena? It just it does show you what you got in a dog, I think, and how trial you've got in a dog. Um, and it's just a it's just a networking tool as well. Just yeah. going and looking at dogs, and you know the whole thing does it show what really in a dog? Well, to a certain extent, it does. Yeah. Um, I think you mentioned before, just on the top of that, you you mentioned earlier that you want a dog that has the mental mental strength more than anything you, you believe that a trial dog will show you that like because it can mentally take that bit of pressure you're putting on that as well as the pressure from the beast i would think so because if you go through most of the breeding that would be in any of my dogs they've all trialed most of them yeah. so i think there's something definitely in that it it's a lot of it's a lot of mental stress on a dog i think Absolutely. Especially like my dogs where, like I say, I don't want to see you for half an hour and then I go to a trial arena and I want to go left, right, stop, backwards, you know. Yeah. It's a lot of mental stress on them. I don't do backwards, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Some guys are doing backwards nowadays and, yeah, I'm not. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> and how far are you guys prepared to travel for a trial? Oh, don't know. Went to Rocky there. That's six, seven hours. There's probably been a fair way from home. It's kind of been um, mum and I, mum and dad, and meet mum and dad at a dog trial somewhere. It's kind of been our meet midway kind of thing. Yeah. So we've been driving three, four hours and meet up at a trial, talk dogs for a weekend and. Yeah. How good that is that for a family outing? I'm gonna get my parents in the trialing so I can see more often. Mate, and you mentioned that you haven't been doing it all that long, but have you got a favourite trial to participate in, or one that you would like to? Um, favourite trial, Lake Elphinstone Charter Towers is really good. Yep. It's probably a small course, but cattle are really good. Um, it depends on how good the cattle are, and I, I like it when you can when the cattle are challenging. And to me, it's not about running just ninety eight scores. It's about having a challenging beast and being able to do something with it. But some trials you go to, it doesn't really matter how good your dog is; they're just going to run over the top of them, and and they are really disappointing trials. Um, yeah, so something with a little bit of challenge, but I don't know. I've seen this thing that um, the bush one where they're sending them up and blind casting them and bring them down across the creek and that, I reckon that'd be, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. That's pretty good, I know. Yeah, yeah. there's one coming up. Yeah, yeah. Coming that, that's pretty cool. I don't have a dog good enough for that, but uh, it'd be no, pretty I mean, cool. No, me neither, but it's probably in these breeding, these 
dog, this breeding, you know, the line of dogs that we've got, I think the capabilities are in there, so that would be something fun to do. Um, and do you get nervous at all? Yeah, lots. How do you handle that? <laughs> Cast your dog and then it goes away. <laughs> Don't worry about it from there. <laughs> Close your eyes. <laughs> Cast your dog and turn that away on the pig. <laughs> yeah. So um, my first trial at Charters Towers, they had paint on the pegs. And I tore all paint off of the pegs and my hands were green. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I can't get my dogs to do anything. And they're like, you were standing there like a soldier. (laughs) Like, loosen up a little bit. So, yeah, breathe. So, yeah, that's a bit, you know, move around your peg a bit. And it's just a day's job. You know, that's the way I I think about it now. Yeah, you know, I'm not in there to really win. It's just we're just doing a job. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And, and obviously, we're talking about cattle trialing here, mate. Any yeah. um, aspiration to have a crack at any sheepdog trialing? I've never really thought about sheepdog trialing, but I would really love to go do some sheep work and yeah. goats. I don't know. I just, I just reckon catching wild goats is like pretty fun. Like the top of yeah, I think that's like the top of working a dog. I don't know. That's my opinion. Catching clean skins and working wild goats would be, Yeah, I reckon, when you're getting there. Oh, mate, if you ever come south and you want some sheep work, let us know. I'm sure there's someone in our network here to be happy to give you a little bit of work. I'll be missing some wool if I bring dogs. <laughs> that's right. they got to learn somehow, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, we hear the debate all the time that trial dogs don't make work dogs and work dogs don't make trial dogs. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, trial dogs that just do trial dog trialing probably don't make good work dogs, but it doesn't mean to say that pull them out of that environment or their breeding won't make a work dog. Yeah. A lot of the time. It it is different, but it's not that I would think it's the other way. If you've got a good work dog that you gotta handle over, you can trial. But if you've got a good trial dog that's just done trialing, if you want to catch some cattle out of the bush, I think you would really struggle. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it all comes down to experience, right? Yeah, I would I just believe a dog's just got to do miles. That's what makes a dog. It's just miles and miles of work, you know, and just steady, steady work where they they achieve something. You know, you don't want them beat too many times. Yep. Build them up, right? Yeah, you got to build them up. That's a good. And that's... Sorry? I was just going to say... Where I've been a bit disappointed is in dogs that have only worked dry stock and they've never actually failed. And them lines haven't handled the breeders where failing is is prevalent, you know, copping a flogging is is part of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Mate, is there someone you'd like us to sit down and have a chat with on Dog Talk? Um, Gavin Carr. 
It's got a list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a list. Yeah. You better get and on the Gav. Guy, hey, go and get on the Gav. Yeah, uh, we're on to him, but. the Gav a fair bit. <laughs> is, uh, we're always oh, conversations. Normally on the way home from dropping the kids to school. Um, but, yeah, no, I've got to get him in front of the camera. Gav's great. I and Gav, Gav um, tend to think quite a bit alike, I think. so. And then the guys that are up here, Adam Simpson, Anthony Mulder, and um, Martin Holsworth. Yep, beautiful. Um, they've, yeah, they've done a fair bit for me and thankful to them. Definitely. We'll, we'll get on to them and, yeah. Absolutely. A few names there, mate. Thanks for that. Mate, come down to the pointy end of the night. Was there a question yep. that stood out to you tonight? And if you don't pick your mum, is she going to disown you? <laughs> um, was there another question? <laughs> <laughs> And now we have a uh, bag of enduro, uh, high-end food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Probably Jared's question. I think yeah. I can, um, WA. Oh, I can remember that. Yeah. Yeah. you remember the name. I'm actually impressed that you remember the name. I, I was one of the first. Write it down. Yeah. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, thinking man. Oh, that, that was a good question. <laughs> that too. Jared, if you want to get uh, in contact with us, uh, might um, just send us um, your details. Got a bag of enduro coming your way, uh, Josh. Also for being a guest tonight, um, we really appreciate your time. You got a bag of enduro coming your way as well. One last question. I feed enduro. <laughs> oh, you already feed it. Yeah, I'm That's enjoying it. Then, you know, if you've ever got pups breeding, uh, get in contact with enduro. They do have uh, pup food samples to give out with pups as well. So anyone else, keep that in mind. Um, yeah, so yeah, definitely. Good plug for our sponsors there, Yeah, Laura. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, last question. Would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? I'd have to get 20 horses the size of the ducks, I reckon. Yep, and why? Yeah, just, get the, just get the dog on them. Yep. <laughs> I'll have them sorted. <laughs> That's the way. That too easy, mate. Thank you very much for your time tonight. Uh, really appreciate that. Uh, and uh, to all our viewers out there, thanks for tuning in tonight. And please remember, we learn every day. The day we stop learning will be a sad one for all of us. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Yes. Cheers.